I have two scriptures, and my first one is um, the Lord has really been impressing it on me. Impressing it on me, I just I hear it all the time. It's Ecclesiastes eight six, and what it says is there's a time and procedure for every matter, though a man's misery weighs heavy on his heart. Okay, and I also have. I don't have that. Anyways, I was just going to say, um, my life has changed dramatically, okay? Um, I've had Phineas now. He makes me very happy. It's amazing. Um, but I went through a lot of tough time while I was pregnant. From the beginning, I've, I've been here, what, eight, eight months, seven, eight months? And um, I'm sure a lot of you have noticed a big change in everything that's going on. But uh, I wrote this letter... Well, anyways, it's dated June 25th, and um, I think I'm, I'm, tr- I'm starting to get to that point where I'm in the spirit, but I like I'm trying to distinguish the difference. But I wrote this letter to myself, and um, I just wanted to share it with you. It says, um, "Dear Robin, Phineas is not born yet. I have about seven and a half weeks left. My anxiety is growing." But I am more excited that I'm actually going to bring this life forth with the help of the Lord above. If there is one thing that I wish for you, it is happiness. You have, let, you have been let down a lot in your life, and the upsets have been overwhelming. This letter is going to push forward a different chain of events. You are changing more than you know, and you will continue to change into that perfect person that you want to be. The Lord has shown you several good things that will happen in the future. You need to stand firm in the promises that were made and wait for his time to come to pass. In the next few years, you will gain a great bit of patience and understand what the great love really is. You will receive the great love from a husband that will honor you as you honor the Lord above. There is a time and procedure for every matter. You just need to keep your peace and let the Lord above handle it. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. You are a human made of flesh and surely you will fall short of grace, but by mercy you are covered. The trials that are happening now will not last forever. Our Father in Heaven does not want to see us suffer, and all the things will work together for the good. As far as the baby's father goes, do not worry about things you do not have control of. Keep your peace, and he will work things out to be better than you could have ever imagined. You are worth more than you think you deserve. As I part from you now, but not forever, I will leave you with this. Love more than you can handle, and you will receive a greater love in return. That greater love will be better than you have ever known before. Thinking of you always, Robin. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I wrote it, and I didn't even really know what I was writing. And then, and then after that, I read it. And I every time I read it, 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 it um, it's very sentimental to me because I have gone through a lot of tough times. But um, it is getting better. It really is. And... Um, Phineas is great. I mean, it's probably, he hardly ever cries. He's a great baby. And it's probably because I had him in praise and worship the whole time I was pregnant. <laughs> um, but so anyways, my life is, um, it is definitely changing. And I really do have the Lord to thank for that. Glory be to Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 
Thank you. Praise his name. 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 Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to everything. Without him, you can't receive anything from heaven. The word of God says a man cannot receive except from heaven. Now, when the Lord talks about receiving, he's talking about the whole man. Spirit, soul, and body. So a man cannot receive unless it's from heaven. It's from his, for his spirit, his soul, and his body to be whole. And since Jesus is the mediator between God and man, we can't leave him out the picture. Because he is the author and the perfecter of your faith. He's the beginning of what he starts and he's the end of what he started. So we can't leave him out. And it's so easy to leave him out. It's so easy to leave him out in our thought process. It's so easy to reject him in our thought process. Zinni and I just got back from uh, Little Palm Island where we usually go on our, our, honey, our honeymoon, was, but our anniversary. But I ran into a guy there and um, was he Dutch? Peru. And he was very interesting. He, he, he manufactures all the beachwear stuff. So when you go to Tabi and go to the stores in there, he's, he manufactures all that stuff. But he was, he was just enjoying life. He was enjoying life. And I don't know if he knew the Lord or not. But what I saw on him was freedom. And I started to talk to him. And he said, you know, Gene, you got to take life. I said, wow, that's powerful. Because life is only but for a moment. There's an opportunity to pull life in. Well, that's what faith does. It pulls the life that you're supposed to be living into existence for you. Remember I taught on the, the, the miracle moment, the five second rule that God gives us an, a, a door, a window of opportunity to redeem something. You got to redeem it quick because if you don't redeem it quick, reasoning sets in and then you kind of lose it. You kind of get set back. It's the five second rule. When you know it's God, jump on it. It's, it's the miracle moment. So he was saying that, that he has to take life in these small opportunities, these, these windows open for him. So what he's got down, he's got principles down. Because without principles, you cannot advance the kingdom of God. It's impossible to advance the kingdom without principle because the principle only applies 
in a trial or when the window of opportunity is open. You have to know the principle that you have to apply. Now, a principle means ruler, kingship. You have to know the principle to apply in that moment or you'll miss it. It'll go right by you. It'll go right by you. It it, it excites me so much when I see all of us in the vein. The praise team's in the vein. Uh, Bernice is in the vein talking about faith. Brother Mac was over there praying with me before we got into the service in the conference room next door. And he pointed out these pictures on the wall, these buildings we built. And he was saying that was in the spirit. Faith brought it into existence. Somebody saw those buildings and drew them on paper. Just like I saw that building and Titan drew it on paper for me. So faith manifests what's in the unseen to the visible. And what grace does, it establishes it for you. See, grace has to establish what faith has brought into view or it's not the faith of God. Listen, if grace doesn't establish the faith of God, then it's not the faith of God because grace is unmerited favor and God wants to do it for you. All you have to do is believe for it and it comes into existence. I've always had faith even before I knew the Lord, because the Lord does give us a measure of faith, you know, when we're born. But I, re- I was sitting there worshiping, and the Lord was reminding me when I was 22 years old. I went to work for a large general contractor, and uh, uh, they were looking for a superintendent to build a, a water treatment plant. And um, I raised my hand and said I could do it. Didn't know anything about building a plant. Didn't know how to read blueprints. But something in me caused me to raise my hand. So the owner laughed. Because I was 22 years old. My hair was long. And uh, the blueprints were about that big around. 12 inches in diameter. This was a multi-million dollar water treatment plant. So I told him I could do it. I just knew I could do it. See, when you operate in faith, God gives you the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding to do what you're believing for. What to do what you can believe you can do. So I put those things on that those things were bigger than my head, and I put them on my shoulder and and went to Mount Vernon, Georgia the next day. And I stayed up there for eight months, came home on the weekends. And rolled those plans out, and I'm telling you, it came alive. I understood everything. And I've never been to school for this stuff. Faith did it. Faith, the Bible says wisdom, knowledge, and understanding come from God. 
You can get all the schooling you want, all the education you want. But wisdom, knowledge, and understanding come from God. I'm telling you, I've been around a lot of smart people and a lot of people with wisdom. But what comes out of Brother Mac's mouth sometimes profounds me. Because he's a man of faith. The wisdom that comes out of his mouth sometimes just profounds me. And, and I learned so much from him over the years about faith and trusting God. So life is taken by faith. You take life by faith. Sometime in November and December, you know, uh, we're going to have a, this series called Finding Your Timothy. I was in the bookstore the other day and this, this, this series just jumped off the table. And the Lord said, get that. And uh, it's put out by Rima Bible College. And it's the dean of the college put this together. And uh, I, I read the book already because I needed to read the book to make sure I was in agreement with, with our ministry. And it, just, it was right on it. And what it does, it teaches you how to find your Timothy. Timothy is your successor. Timothy is the one that's going to take, take over what you're doing. You see what I'm saying? You've got to have somebody to pass the torch to. You've got to have somebody that you can depend on. Because you've got to keep moving. We're supposed to make disciples. I love it when Jesus said to his disciples. He said, go. Go out. And he said, those who believe will cast out devils. Will speak in new tongues. They'll, 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 they'll take up serpents and not be harmed. They'll drink deadly stuff and it won't harm them. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But the key to that is they were disciples of Jesus. And I was talking to my wife about that the other day. I said, you know, half the church can't even do that right now. All of us should be casting out devils. I said, what's the problem? Because we have not yet been a disciple. Jesus called us to be a disciple. But to be a disciple, you have to be like your teacher. Isn't that right? See, they were unlearned, untrained men. But they hung around Jesus. And they were washed. They listened to him talk. Can you imagine being around Jesus? Every word was truth. Every word was truth. And you know, we're designed to receive truth. We're not equipped to receive lies. We're, we're equipped to receive truth. So to become a disciple of Christ, we have to know truth. We have to walk in truth. And then we can do those things that he commissioned us to do. But Jesus is the answer. He came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. 
And the devil is still working. Look, on, look at these high things right here that, that the Lord gave me a vision of. The devil's still at work. Why would God give me these visions if the devil wasn't still at work? And I think it's in Corinthians it says every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So these are the three high things that are exalting itself themselves against God's knowledge. So Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was manifested to destroy the strong man, the strong mindsets that are in us, that come from the enemy. This ministry is to spiritually equip you. Amen. This is a ministry to mend, prepare, empower, and release you into your destiny. It's like Jesus uh, released his disciples. Then he released his disciples. He released them and said, go. Go and do it and make disciples. Duplicate yourself. Find your Timothys and duplicate yourself. Well, see, spiritual equipping is done by what? And I, I see this all the time because I want to get it in you. Spiritual equipping is done by hearing and applying the word. Knowing how to walk in truth. Walking in the power of the truth. Releasing and receiving the kingdom of the truth. That's what spiritual equipping is. Discovering, developing the greatness in you. Discovering, developing the greatness in you. The manifestation of God's glory. What the manifestation of God's glory is, is the bringing forth the outward shining of what's inward being. Did we get that? You see, the glory is in you. So the manifestation of the glory is the outward shining of the inward being that's on the inside. So to get this outward shining to come out, we have to be purged of the old so the new can come forth. Amen. And not allowing the two to mix. I heard in the spirit when I was worshiping the other day, mixture, mixture, mixture. I mean, it was just over and over again, mixture, mixture, mixture. You know, I think it's in Proverbs or Psalms that every word we speak never, never stops. As I said before, I can get up in the spirit, so far up in the spirit, I can hear people talk. I can, I can hear people's voices. I recognize their voices because the word says the bird of the air carries the voice. Amen. So I, if I want to know what somebody's saying about me, I'll just get up in the third heaven for a little while. Amen. That's what that's how you do it. You get up in the third heaven and, you know, then you pray for those people. God said, love your enemy. Pray for those who use you. Bless those who curse you. We don't have a God of hate we have a God of love he's a God of love but he kept telling me I kept hearing mixture mixture and and what we cannot do is have a mixture of the old and the new 
Amen? The mixture of the old and the new cannot happen. The old man is still trying to take his place through the strongholds, through the strong mindsets. Jesus said, I crucified the flesh. Well, flesh that's crucified is nailed to the cross, right? You have to bury it. You have to bury it. You have to get it out of sight. Mixtures. I'm going to be doing a message on that. This is not tonight's message. But spiritual equipping is discovering your divine gift, developing it. And it is the gift that releases his greatness on the inside of you. The title of this message is, and I, I had a whole other message during the week. And then I got out of the salt box, everything changed. Everything changed. It, it always does. There's something very special about that place. Everything changed. And the message is titled Signs of a Washed Bride. Signs of a Washed Bride. How do I know I'm washed? How do I know I'm ready to be joined to the Lord? Signs of a Washed Bride. And the Lord took me to Revelation 19, 7, 8, and 9, which I'll read for you. It says, Let us rejoice and shout for joy, exalting and triumphant. Let us celebrate and ascribe to him glory and honor. For the marriage of the Lamb at last has come. His bride has prepared herself. She has been permitted. Listen, I love that word, permit. She has been permitted to dress in fine, radiant linen, dazzling and white. For the linen, for the fine linen, signifies and represents the righteousness, the upright, the just, and godly living, deeds and conduct. And right standing with God of the saints, God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this down. Blessed, happy, to be envied are those who are summoned, invited, and called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me further, these are true words, genuine and exact declarations from God. Bless your word, Lord. So how do you know that you have achieved? I ask the Lord, how do I know? How will we know that we have achieved a measure, a stature of Christ? That we are ready to be joined to him. And he gave me three things. Three things. One, I'll give you the three things and I'm going to go ahead and teach on them. The fullness of his love is number one. Number two is the fullness of his blessing. The fullness of his love, number one. The fullness of his blessing, number two. And number three, 
the fullness of his abundant provision. The fullness of his abundant provision. And this is what comes out of Revelation 19, 7 and 8. The fullness of his love, the fullness of his blessing, his abundant provision. This is a washed, cleansed bride that has the robes of righteousness. Now that's a spiritual robe that you can't see with your natural eye. Demonic spirits can see it because they're spirits. Angels can see it. The Lord can see it. God can see it. We can't see it. What we do is experience it. We experience that robe of righteousness. So, we can judge ourselves by these. Let's start with number one. The fullness of his love. How can I judge myself to know? What word can I use to judge myself? You know, the Bible says, judge yourself and you won't be judged, right? So he's given us his word to judge ourselves. So we will not be judged by the, by the word. He'll use his word to judge us through circumstance and, and different ways. But 1 John 4.18. 1 John 4.18. says there is no fear in love but perfect love cast out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love well the first thing we need to establish in this verse is what is love if there's no fear in love let's establish what is love? Since love is God, let's establish what is love. And I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 12. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 12 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself and is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked and thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, so we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. So when I was a child, I spoke as a child. And understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror, mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now I know in part. 
but then I shall know just as I also am known. That's the key word. I shall know just as I am also known. By who? God. 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 So what is perfect love? That's what love is. But what is perfect love? It talks about perfect love. It says perfect love cast out fear. It didn't say love cast out fear. It says perfect love cast out fear. Well, let's read on. Let's see what it says. Let's go to 1 John 4.12. 1 John 4.12. I love the word. Don't you love the word? The Lord word satisfies your soul. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love has been perfected in us. So there's the answer. If we love one another, God lives in us. That's a key word. He lives in us. God can be in you and not living. He can be dormant. He could be sleeping. What brings God alive is faith and love and truth. So God comes alive and his love has been perfected in us when we start loving one another. How do we love one another? How do we love one another? I tell you, if we just get some of this revelation... We could just accelerate. We could be wearing those robes of righteousness. And every time we walk down the street, the devil sees it. Because you're adorned with all the jewels of the Holy Spirit. And the righteous robe of Christ. So, let's get it right. Love. Back to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 12 that I read earlier. That is an inside work taking place. Patience, kindness, does not envy or is jealous, is not vainglorious, is not arrogant or prideful, is not un- unmannerly, does not seek its own, is not touchy, fretful, or resentful, and it does not keep a record. I love this because I'm guilty of this sometimes. It does not keep a record of wrong done to it. In other words, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. When someone has wronged you, we're supposed to give it no attention. Because when we give it attention, what happens? It creates an offense. It creates an offense. We're supposed to give it no attention. No attention. Does not rejoice in injustice and in in unrighteousness, but it rejoices in the truth all the time. Love bears up under anything and everything it comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. It hopes, its hopes are fadeless under circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Love never 
fades out or comes to an end. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Love never fades out or comes to an end. So we got to get a hold of God. We got to get a hold of love because He's everlasting. He's everlasting. Saints, this is an inside work for an outside manifestation. We got to get this part right first. This is an inside work going on. This is how we can judge ourselves to see if we are walking in love. Because we have to walk in love before we can love one another. We have to walk in love before we can love one another. What is the outside manifestation? Once you, once you get the inside manifestation right, that means taking down all these strongholds that are trying to rule on the inside. What is the outside manifestation of an inside completed work? When John 4.12 told us, loving one another. By this, God lives in us. In other words, he's alive in us. And his love, God himself, has been perfected in us. You'll never be successful without love. Anything you do without love will never be successful. So why is it so hard to get it number one right? We're still on number one out of these three things. Why is it so hard to get number one right? Because we have to get some things out of the way. All these things that love is not is right here in front of us. All these things that love is not is right here in front of us. And they're standing in defense. Deception is not love. Masking is not love. Self-centeredness is not love. The love of money is not love. Rebellion is not love. Pride is not love. Controlling is not love. Cursing is not love. Bitterness and pride and complaining is not love. Anger, envy, and jealousy is not love. Non-trusting fears and manipulation is not love. Sex for approval and being a man-pleaser and materialism is not love. This is not love. Rejection and unforgiveness and shame is not love. These are the things that aren't love. They're in the way of us getting it right on the inside. This is the inside work that's going on. So saints, we got to get it right. Strongholds hold you back from perfect love. Strongholds hold you back from perfect love. So strongholds, defenses are armored to make sure that happens. They're armored to make sure it happens. God has given us a great power. What is that great power? God has given us a great power. And that power is to what? Choose. Choose. The only power outside of delegated power that he has given you is the power to choose. That's the power he's given you is to choose. Outside of that power is delegated power. We delegate power. We, we receive delegated power from Jesus Christ. We receive delegated power from Satan. 
whether we choose life or whether we choose death, we're receiving a delegated power. So God has given us the power to choose not to choose Satan and his defenses. We have the power not to choose that. The power to connect with his power. So why do we choose these strongholds, these strong ways of thinking? Why do we keep choosing this way? And I'm including myself. Why do we keep choosing this, this, this wrong thinking, this strong mindset, this demonic influenced mindset that's contrary to the word of God? Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge is lack of knowing the Holy One. The Word of God says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, right? And it goes on in that same verse and it says, Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So, if we ha don't have knowledge of the Holy One, we stay in captivity. We, we live in these strong mindsets until we have knowledge of the Holy One. So let's get to know Him and choose His way. And what's His way? Come on, saints. What's His way? Love. Love. If you can get, get Corinthians 13 down, you will be choosing His way. Because believe it or not, all that is already in you. It's already there. And all this is already in you. All these defenses, all of us deal with these defenses. Every one of us deal with these defenses. Whether it's one, whether it's two, all of us deal with it. So all this is on the inside of us already. But God has given us the power to choose. To choose. To choose that love that's on the inside. So how will I know I have achieved being washed, cleansed, and prepared? Bride. We got number one down? Anybody got any questions on number one? I mean, it's pretty simple. When the, when the word gets, gets, gets laid out and it's very simple, he's given you something to judge by. He's given you something to judge yourself by against these defenses that Satan wants to defend his territory in our minds. Number two. How will I know I'm washed, cleansed, and prepared? His blessings will be on my life. His blessings will be on my life. That is unmerited favor, grace. Listen, that kind of blessing, you know, we can bless people and bless people and bless people, but God's blessing is different. God's blessing is supposed to lead us to repentance. Unto salvation. Every time the Lord has me purchase something for someone... 
It's his love reaching out to them to turn from something. Because the word of God says it's the blessing of the Lord. It's the goodness of God that leads us. Doesn't demand us. He leads us to repentance. That means change your thinking right now. And then that will lead us to salvation. See, without a change of thinking, salvation can't get accomplished. So it's his goodness. That is the blessing of God. The blessing of God. I was, I was talking to a pastor this week. A little testimony here. Who's a very successful pastor. And um, uh, got a huge congregation. And I've been pouring into him. Because I'm supposed to, to pour into pastors. And he was saying how much his life has totally changed. Since I've been pouring into him. I said, well, how's it changed? And he said, my wife and I have been working so hard, stressed. We thought stress was the motivator to get things accomplished. We worked so hard building ministry, family, life. Helping. God helping him helping grace listen we can't touch grace we're not supposed to touch grace we're supposed to live in what grace accomplishes for us but when he got the revelation of the teaching that he is supposed to enter into a rest. He entered into a rest. In other words, his mind stopped laboring. But he entered into a rest through knowledge of the Holy One. And what happened was what he was trying to obtain and accomplish and did accomplish, he was limiting himself. See, once he got a hold of the revelation of accomplishing God's love, getting hold of God's love, getting connected, he entered into that rest. And now he realizes grace does not need help. Grace does not need help. So what's happening is he's resting and everything around him growing to another level. His finances went off the chart because he heard the teaching. He heard his finances went off the chart. He said, but the most, the greatest thing that's happened in this whole Six or eight months we've been meeting. He said, I am so in love with my wife. And my wife is so in love with me. He said, we used to go to bed and, and, and turn our laptops on. 
He said, but now there's no electronics. It's just me and her. We talk. We love. God does it. God does it. He made it so easy. We make it so complicated because we touch grace and we cannot touch grace. Flesh cannot touch grace. The only thing that flesh can do is obey grace. Flesh has to get out of the way. He said, Gene, things just keep coming to me. Like it's, I'm a magnet. What happened was, he decided to seek first the kingdom instead of building the kingdom. Too many of us are trying to build the kingdom. We're not called to build the kingdom. We're called to seek first the kingdom. Jesus Christ builds his kingdom through us. We don't build this kingdom. He's the builder. He does it through wisdom. But he said, Gina, I've learned how to seek first his kingdom and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Well, the righteousness of Jesus Christ has to, has to be accomplished in your mind, in your soul. That's where you enter into that perfect rest. Until the word occupies the mind, the soul, you cannot enter into that rest. Until then, you've got to help grace. You're trying to help grace. You're trying to make it work. You got a mixture going on. When you enter into that rest, that perfect peace, everything comes to you. And when it comes, it has life on it. It has life on it. It has abundant life on it. I got another revelation. I don't know whether I should share it or not. About intimacy. When I was at Little Palmano. And it was about worship. Same passages you were reading. You, you can get into worship. And God takes vengeance on your enemy. Pretty spread it. He takes vengeance on the enemy. He gets him out of the way. But what the Lord was showing me was in worship. Worship is, is intimacy. Praise is not intimacy. Worship is intimacy. The Word of God says that worship conceives. Blessing 
victory. Intimacy is nothing more than having a divine intercourse with God. So those who are married, you know what I'm saying? You can conceive, you can birth blessing and victory in your life by staying intimate with your wife. Favor. Favor. You see, love secures a position where you don't have to help grace. Grace helps you. Love secures that position. Grace gives you favor to get in touch with what cannot be touched with the flesh. Grace gives you favor to get in touch with what cannot be touched with the flesh. The flesh is our sinful nature. It cannot touch that area. Grace gives the favor to get in touch with that. So that is the blessing of the Lord. Well, how will I know it is God's blessing? Because anybody can bless you. The Bible says the world loves their own. Don't it? It says the world loves their own. They'll bless, they'll bless each other. But how do you know it's God's blessing? When somebody begins to bless you. Well, let's look at the scripture. The Lord showed me where, how we can judge that. Proverbs 10, 22. Proverbs 10, 22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Now, I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. It says, The blessing of the Lord, it makes truly rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And I love this. Neither does toiling increase it. You see, the pastor I was referring to, he was toiling, trying to increase it. Listen, you can't build a ministry with your hands all in it. Jesus said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, I build my kingdom. So the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Neither does he add toiling to increase it. So the blessing of the Lord in the Greek means, now the Greek is the original translation, original definition. The blessing of the Lord means this it's three things i looked it up the first one was prosperity prosperity the second one was favor bestowed on another favor bestowed on another thirdly was god's favor on right standing 
with him. How do you, how, how many of you know that? How do you know to get in right standing with God? That produces this kind of results. I said it earlier. Seek first his kingdom. Which we've done. We've got the kingdom on the inside of us. But the righteousness of Christ is to stand in our soul, in our mind, to produce this kind of results. So you see in this, the blessing is coming to you. Because the blessing is coming to the Christ in you. Jesus in your head as well as in your heart. The blessing is attracted to the blessed one. He is the only blessed one. So he adds no sorrow with the blessing. Listen to this. I looked up sorrow in the Greek. And it says he adds no toiling of the mind. And the body with it. He has no toiling with the mind and the body with it. He has no grievous labor or sorrow in the body or the mind. This is how you know it's the blessing of the Lord. Because... When he refers to sorrow, he's talking about physical pain, emotional pain, and hard work. Physical pain, emotional pain, and hard work. That's the sorrow that's not added to his blessing. How many of you feel like you've been blessed and it ended up in sorrow? there come on that was not the blessing of the Lord Satan can bless you but it's a counterfeit he's he's a counterfeit he comes looking like the blessing an angel of light but he's a counterfeit he cannot produce riches without sorrow He cannot produce riches without sorrow. And mental toiling. And physical toiling. Listen, when you were redeemed from the curse, you were redeemed from mental toiling and physical toiling. You were redeemed from that. You entered into wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of the Holy One. So God's blessing does not come with any association of these kind of things. God's blessing makes rich. And since he doesn't add sorrow to it, what does he add to it? Life. He's adding life to it. So that means... 
What God has blessed, no man can curse. What God has blessed, no man can curse. Because the life of God prevails. It lives forever. It continues forever. You can't stop it. You got to let it flow. The only way you can stop it is holding on to the blessing. We're not to hold on to the blessing. The blessing is supposed to lead you to somewhere. Repentance unto salvation. So to keep life on anything God does for you, you have to be a giver. You've got to be so in tune with the Spirit, the unction, the holy unction of the Holy Spirit when He says, boom, give, give. I've been in places, Little Palm Island was in one place, and listening to a, a woman sing up there. And the Lord unctioned me in the spirit to give to her. When I obeyed the Lord, it brought life to her. It radically changed her life. I didn't change her life. My obedience allowed God to change her life. And see... I've made a commitment to the Lord that I'm going to sow every day. We had a restaurant last night and the Lord reminded me I had not, had not sowed yesterday. And I was sitting at this restaurant and across the table there was a birthday party going on. And the Lord said to sow into the, the birthday girl. They didn't know us. But the strangest thing was when we were sitting at that table, like right here, and they were like right there, the birthday girl's back was turned like this to me. I didn't see her face. But she kept turning around looking at me. And she was like, what, 18 years old, 16? 16 or 18 years old. Sweet girl, she just kept turning around and she would stare at me while I was eating. But on, across from her, there was a, uh, uh, another lady there that was all happy and joyful. And I thought it was her birthday. <laughs> so I looked at Zenny. I said, I'm going to, I showed her the, the money. I said, I'm going to sew into this girl over here. So I went over there and got with that one. And she said, it's not my birthday. <laughs> I said, well, whose birthday is it? And she pointed to this little 16-year-old girl. But you see how God was already connecting it? This girl didn't know why she was looking at me. Why would a 16-year-old girl look at an old man? It was the Spirit. You see? It was the Spirit. It was the Spirit giving witness. But I want to keep the cycle going. I want to keep life 
life, life on what God has allowed me, entrusted me with. And the only way to do that, it has to keep leaving my hands. I have to be sensitive to it leaving my hands. I have to be sober to the Spirit and leaving my hands. So I look, I'm like a scan constantly now during the day. Looking for the light on somebody that God is saying, that's it right there. That's how you keep life on the blessing. God's blessing makes rich and has no light, adds life to it. So when we are rich in his love, okay, we're going to be rich in his blessings. And he adds his life-giving spirit to it. When we are rich in his love, we're going to be rich in his blessings. And he's going to add his life-giving spirit to it. Who is the life-giving spirit? Jesus Christ. He's the second Adam. The Bible says he's a life-giving spirit. So when God starts blessing us, he's going to add Jesus to the blessing. Because he's the life-giving spirit. And a life-giving spirit is a resurrecting spirit. You see? So when God starts blessing you, that blessing is going to have constant resurrection on it. Every time you give a portion or all of what he's given you, resurrection takes place again. Resurrection life takes place again. God's taking you into a new place. The blessing never stops producing. Isn't that great? It never stops producing. So to be washed, cleansed, and prepared, a prepared bride, we've got number one down. Now we've got number two down, knowing his blessings. His blessings and not anybody else's blessings. Now let's look at number three. Sign number three. His abundant provision. You see, when righteousness is complete, abundant provision is released. Where was righteousness complete at? Out of these three, on the second one, he sends his blessing to lead us to repent unto salvation. Salvation is obtaining righteousness. Without righteousness, we cannot be whole. Christ is the only righteous one that can stand before God. So the second sign is his blessing is to obtain righteousness in our mind, in our soul. And when that is obtained, the third thing is that's going to be released is abundance is going to be released. Abundance. Some of us think the blessing that he sends is an abundance. It's just a measure. When he blesses you, it's just a measure. Because if he sent the abundance, it would wipe us out. 
There's so much power on what God gives us. And if we're not prepared to receive it, it will kill us. It will wipe us out because our flesh cannot handle it. Our flesh cannot handle the blessing of God. We, we, we will prostitute it. We will, we will receive it as our own glory. The flesh has to be eliminated and his righteousness has to be established in our minds, in our heads. So when we are faithful in being good stewards over blessing number two, okay, when he gives us the blessing, we have to be good stewards over that blessing. Then he's going to release the abundance. Now being good stewards over what grace has added to you, is what we're being a good steward over of. So keeping it unspotted. How do we keep the blessing? How do we keep the blessing? Pure. How do we, how, how do we manage the blessings of God? Don't get selfish. Don't get selfish. Don't get fleshly with the blessing. God gives blessing for you to enjoy, not take ownership. He gives you the blessing to enjoy, not take ownership. You didn't die for that blessing. Christ owns it. The word says he's given us all things that pertain to life. In godliness. In Christ Jesus. So. The key word there is. Enjoy. Enjoy the blessings of God. Don't feel guilty. When you're trying to. When you're enjoying the blessings of God. Don't feel guilty when somebody. Uh, is jealous of you. Or envious of you. Because the Bible says. Blessed means. To be happy, prosperous and, prosperous, and to be envied. So people are going to be jealous. People are going to envy you. And jealousy is nothing more than anger. That's just going to happen. And that's how you know you're blessed. It's a sign. That when envy and jealousy rises up, that should be your sign. I am blessed. And no man can touch what God has blessed no man can touch what God has blessed the man can form the weapon but he cannot touch the blessing of God and the Lord allows the enemy to form his weapons just to show him he cannot touch the blessings of God. Being good stewards. Enjoy it. Don't take ownership. And God will test you. God will test you. He'll test you. Continually test you. To see if you're going to hold on something he's given you because when you feel like you need to hold on to something 
That's the test. You better let go of it quickly or you'll fail that test. And what happens is when you hold on to something that God is asking you to release and you don't, that's disobedience and you provoke a curse on you. Man cannot curse what God has blessed, but you can. Because God's given you the power to choose. Life or cursing. He's given you that power. So listen, if grace added blessings to me without sorrow, then what adds abundant provision? If grace added blessings to me without sorrow, then what adds this kind of abundance provision? It says in, in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, gives us the answer. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to make all grace, every favor, every earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Wow. Wow. Look what we're missing. Because we can't get the love thing right. Look what we're missing. Wow. If grace added the blessings to me without sorrow, then what adds the abundant provision? All grace. Can you imagine? It's not with a measure. It's without measure. When God says all, and listen, only he's able to do that. He's given you all grace and favor for all, listen, for every earthly blessing to come to you in abundance. Now, what's earthly blessings? Everything he created. That's an earthly, earthly blessing. Everything he created and manifested is an earthly blessing. Every time the Lord says, Gene, I want you to have... Have this. He puts a desire in my heart. I said, Lord, I don't need that. I'm content. He said, but I've got to establish my covenant. I told Richard that one time and the anointing went over both of us. He said, I've got to establish my covenant. So I give you a desire for something. That desire is to establish my covenant through your receiving amen you got to receive it all grace for the purpose of being self-sufficient that's what the covenant's all about being self-sufficient it says and no aid or support from anyone else. That means you don't need a bank. You don't need a bank. He's saying it right there. 
fact, Deuteronomy says we're supposed to be the bank. Deuteronomy 28 says you will lend to many and borrow from them. No aid, no support from anyone, and able to give to all, all good work. All good work. Didn't say some good work. You're able to give to all good work. Now, that's what I would call the kingdom life, wouldn't you? That's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. This is the fruit of a washed, cleansed, prepared bride. I've been wondering, asking God, how do we know? He said, I'm going to give you three things, how you'll know. And I said, where's the scripture? And he said, go to Revelation. The ministry of Kingdom Life Ministry is to bring you into that place. I call it the dressing room. Getting the bride ready for the bridegroom. Getting the bride ready for the bridegroom. Then and only then can you be a true witness of Jesus Christ. A true witness. A fulfilled witness of Jesus Christ. Listen, we can't rescue what we have not been rescued from. God has called us to be rescuers. Kingdom life ministry is to rescue the bride that's in captivity through lack of knowledge of the Holy One. Anybody that's in captivity is in lack of knowledge of the Holy One. You got to know Him. And how do you know you know Him? I just gave you all the answers tonight. We have to be the message before we can go out and proclaim the message. Amen. We can't teach this message and preach this message if we're not the message. There won't be no power on it. It'll be you. It'll be your flesh speaking. And you're not accomplishing nothing but vainglory. That's all that's going to happen. You're just lifting up yourself. We can't teach this message and preach this message outside of these four walls. Unless we have experienced the message. That's what this is for. This is a dressing room. This is to prepare you. Equip you. Cleanse you. Restore. Build you. So that you can experience these three signs that God has given us tonight to know a washed, cleansed, and prepared bride. Listen. The bride is defeated in a lot of places and she's looking for the bride who has robes of righteousness. And believe me, she's ready. She's ready. 
Pastor Roberson with Kingdom Life Ministry, um, I met with him yesterday. And see, the Lord had already put it in my heart. That's what I love about this function. The Lord is going to put it in my heart. What he wants us to do, what he wants me to do, this ministry. And he's going to confirm it through a witness. Remember the witnesses? Remember the witnesses? You've got to have a witness. So a pastor comes to me. As soon as he came, came into my office right there, he said, Gene, the Lord has released me to bring your team into our ministry for a three-day conference to teach. I said, what do you want me to teach you on? And we were standing right there. He said, that's the answer right there. This is coming from a seasoned pastor. He said, that is the answer right there. And when he said that, the Lord said, Gene, when you teach on it, I'm going to release so much power at the end of that conference that all these things are going to come down. You know why? Because God will have your obedience. You can't obey nothing you don't understand. You can't trust someone you don't know. So to bring the teaching forth where they understand it. We are supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador do? They're messengers. They represent the sender. Too many people behind the pulpit are not representing the sender. Because they don't have his life complete in them. We just heard the life that's complete. A cleansed, washed bride is prepared to receive the bridegroom. Can you imagine? This ministry right here is not the only ministry that God has appointed and anointed to wash his bride. But you, can you imagine when all of them start coming out of these four walls? The world is going to change. The world is going to change. And it won't be long. Back, the Lord said in 2012, the doors are going to be open. And we're going to see. We've experienced revelation in here, we've experienced power in here, we've experienced presence. We, we've experienced a holy hush in here, but it's nothing to be compared to what we're going to experience outside of these four walls. Because faith increases all those things. And the bride has faith. And she's going to pull it. He's, she's going to pull it right out. I want what God wants. What, God, what does God want? He wants obedience. That's all he wants. I want what he wants, but he wants obedience. You see, when we submit to God, we will overflow with his glory. The fullness of his love, the fullness of his blessing, the fullness of an abundance. One of the, one of the laws of physics... Is that anything in motion 
causes friction. Anything in motion causes friction. So the laws of the spiritual realm is that any motion or progress in the pursuit of godliness will produce friction. Why? Because it's confronting carnality. It's confronting flesh. So if you don't have any confrontation going in your life, something wrong. You're not pursuing godliness. Because the Bible says you will be persecuted in this pursuit of godliness. But it says in the pursuit of godliness. Once you obtain godliness, the persecution won't be there. Because the persecution is coming from what you're in agreement with. It's not of God. When the Bible says no weapon formed against you can prosper. But you see it prospering in a lot of people's lives. Bringing them to zero. Why? When the truth said it's not supposed to. Whatever we have agreement with, we're going to prosper. If we have agreement with any of these strong mindsets, then the enemy has legal right to come in and prosper his weapon. To kill, steal, and destroy. Praise the Lord. All right, we're wrapping it up. The pure in heart. Bible says the pure in heart shall see God. One thing Dr. Siddiqui pointed out when we went out to his conference is some of the King James interpretation uh, picked out different words in the Greek to put in the Bible. And what he was referring to was heart, where it says heart. Remember I said when we talk about heart, we're talking about our spirit. In some passages, it relates to spirit. In some passages, it relates to mind. When it says heart, it relates to mind. So in this particular passage, the pure in heart, meaning the pure in mind, shall see God. Well, how do you see him? When the Bible says nobody has seen him, we see him in his love. We see him in his blessing. We see him in his abundant provision. That's how we see him. Those are the three things, testimonies, that we can judge ourselves. Do we have the fullness of his love? Do we have his blessing on our life? Do we have his abundant provision on our life? Those are the three signs. What are the three th- signs that keep us from those testimonies? You're looking at them. The stronghold of unforgiveness, the stronghold of shame, the stronghold of rejection, 
And the Lord gave me a parallel. He said, Gene, I love how these visions are just so intertwined with the word as we grow into them. He said, number one, was the fullness of his love parallels with the first vision he gave me, unforgiveness. You cannot experience the fullness of his love with unforgiveness in your head. And if you're a born-again, regenerated spirit, then unforgiveness does not dwell in your spirit. Forgiveness dwells in your spirit. Unforgiveness dwells in the residue of the fall of Adam, which is our mind, the unrenewed mind. So unforgiveness will keep you from receiving the fullness of his love. I love that parallel. And if you know... Look at these three spots. One says, unforgiveness says the unknown spot. Uh, the second one was shame, the hidden spot. And the third one was rejection, the blind spot. All these spots keep you out of touch with what's hidden for you. Remember the word says, no eye has seen, no ear heard. Irving into heart of many things that God has prepared for them who love him. There's that love word again. So, all these things unknown, hidden, blind. You see what these strongholds are doing? They're keeping you from seeing what God has for you. And it's all around you. So, he said, number two, the fullness of his blessing parallels with the second vision he gave me with shame shame the Lord has used me to bless certain people they couldn't receive it because of shame they didn't feel like they deserved it because of what they've done shame is not from God God has accepted us there's no shame in him so his blessings are parallel with shame. That is the, the exact, exact opposite. Number three was his abundant provision parallels with rejection. And you look at one of the defenses of rejection is materialism. We try to get it ourselves and keep getting it. And we're never satisfied with materialism because it's the wrong influence. But you see how they parallel his abundant provision parallels with rejection, which is just the opposite. And it blinds you of that abundant provision that he has for you. God didn't call you to be poor. Come on. Your brother is a king. Jesus is your brother. He's a king. So, if he's your brother, then you deserve everything he has, right? Because we all have one father. When I die, my inheritance goes where? To children. And they all share equally. 
Same thing in the kingdom. When we die, we share his riches. Amen.